Welcome to the Prosperous Piano Teacher Podcast. I'm Ashley Young, pianist, instructor, and business coach, and I'm here to help you dream big about what your studio could be if you are willing to open your mind and level up your business skills. I'm going to share the tangible strategies that I've learned for streamlining and scaling your studio so that you can align your business to work for your life instead of letting your business control your life. I am so happy that you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, hello. Welcome in to another episode of the Prosperous Piano Teacher Podcast. I'm Ashley. I'm your host, and I am really happy that you're here with me. Welcome in. If this is your very first time listening, I'm super excited to chat with you. And if you've been listening for a while now, welcome back. Today, we are going to be talking about two marketing mistakes that prevent students from hiring you. And most piano teachers are making these mistakes uh, in working with business coaching clients and in exploring other websites for research. These are just very, very, very common mistakes. And I used to make these mistakes as well. So I'm really excited to break them down for you and to dive in and to not only share the mistakes with you, but also share some concrete tips and ways that you can ensure that you fix these mistakes if you're making them. Um, I don't know where you are right now. Maybe you're in the car. Maybe you're listening while you work out. I am, it's been a great morning. I've been sitting here in my studio, just knocking out work and I'm so grateful to have a little bit of peace and quiet. The last couple of months have been so busy for me. Uh, it was my first summer like with, you know, this last school year, I had a child that was in preschool for the very first time. So she was in like full-time school. And then this was summer break. And wow, did I overestimate how much we could do. And I overscheduled us and myself. And um, I'm really, really grateful that I'm getting back into my routine and that things are settling down. And we have so many weeks without things on the calendar. Um, I don't know about you, but when I look at my calendar and I see that like for you know, four or five or six weeks in a row, like every minute of the weekend is planned. I just, it's really overwhelming to me. So I'm happy to have some clear space and I'm just really excited to be here talking to you. I have like hours on my calendar where I just get to sit here and uh, create, uh, which is always my favorite thing to do. So don't worry, I'm not going to talk to you for hours, but <laughs> I'm just grateful for that space to do so. All right, so let's dive in to these two marketing mistakes. Now, when I've, I've explained this before, but in case you haven't heard, when I say marketing here on the podcast, what I really mean is however you interact with your potential customers. So hopefully you are doing this on a regular basis. This could be through your website, right? Like you have a website and that's how people find you. It could be through your social media posts on any platform. It could be through something like Google My Business or Thumbtack. Um, it could be hanging flyers in coffee shops. Whatever you are doing to talk to your potential customers, that is your marketing. And I used to not pay attention to marketing, right? Like I didn't spend very much time thinking about it. Sure, I had a website. Sure, I would occasionally post on social media, but I wasn't really thinking about how to utilize marketing in the most effective way to give myself the best chance of attracting the students that were right for me. And this was a huge mistake because I think of all the years that, you know, I had a website, but I didn't really put that much thought or care or time into making sure that it worked. Um, and I never, you know, I never had trouble filling my studio because I got referrals and things like that. But I think of like how much earlier I could have expanded or scaled or increased my rates or anything like that if I would have just paid a little more attention to marketing. 
So these two mistakes will absolutely cost you potential customers, period. If you're making these mistakes, spend the time, take like an hour this week or next week to just fix these mistakes. And I promise you, you will reap the benefits of the time spent. You will see an increase in the amount of inquiries that you get or the amount of engagement that you're getting from your potential customers. So the first mistake is not having a compelling hook or headline. And when I'm talking about the hook or headline, if this is your website, that means that you, you the very first thing that people see when they get to your website, right? Like whatever picture and text you have right there at the top, that is the hook and headline. Um, if this is a social media post, it's like the very first words on the screen, if it's a video or if it's like a picture, or if it's the caption that they're reading, it's the very first sentence. If you're hanging flyers, same thing as your website. Like it's like whatever is at, right at the top in the biggest font, like what people see first. And it needs to be compelling. I recently, and I shared this in an email, if you're on my email list, or I also shared this on, a, on an Instagram post a couple weeks ago, but a few weeks ago I was looking for swim lessons for my daughter and I came across a website. And when I got to the website, Literally, the first thing I saw was just like a, a mediocre picture of a kid in a pool. I didn't see any text. I didn't have any idea like what the vibe of this school was or what they were offering or what they were about or what made them different. And I scrolled down and then instantly um, the site like started giving me information about the length of the swim lessons and how much they cost. But that information was irrelevant to me because I was like, why would I choose this school I don't know anything about them. And so seeing the information about the length of lesson and the cost of lessons kind of, it wasn't offensive, but it was like too much information too fast because I didn't know anything about the school. And when you think about a compelling hook or headline, there's three things that you can keep in mind that you need to be communicating. Who you are serving, okay? So what kind of students are you teaching? Is it adults, is it kids, is it both? who you are serving, why you are different. Okay. Like what is the thing about you that makes you unique? What is, what do you believe about music? What is your method of teaching and what are they going to get when they work with you? And I know that that's a lot of questions to think about in, in one hook, because ideally your hook or your headline is, is one sentence, right? but it is doable. And I'll give you an example of this. So if you go to um, my website, ashleyjyoung.com, and you click on casual to confident piano player, you will see the casual to confident piano player landing page or website. And the hook or the headline, you see a picture of me. And that's important on this page because most people find me online, like on my YouTube's channel. And so it's important that they see that this is indeed my site. And it is indeed the person they've been watching on YouTube. And then it says, play beautifully by learning how to practice smarter, not harder, even if you've been at it for years. And it might seem like, you know, I just came up with that and, and put it there, but there was a lot of thought that went into that hook. So let me break it down for you. So play beautifully is the result that people are going to get, right? When they join Casual the Confident Piano Player, they learn how to play beautifully. Bam, that is the result by learning how to practice smarter, not harder. That is the way in which I teach. Everything that I do in the program is all about how to get the most results during your practice time. 
So how to really optimize that time to be effective and efficient so that you don't sit down at the piano and have those frustrating practice sessions or waste time. Most adults don't know how to practice. And so this is, this is how I help them get there, right? This is how I help them learn how to play beautifully is we really focus on how to practice in a way that will get you to that goal. And then the last part of my hook is even if you've been at it for years. And this is really important because it kind of seems like it's like an afterthought, but it speaks to who I serve. I serve adults that have been at it for years, whether that means that they took piano lessons as a child and then they had a long break and now they're coming back to it. That's some of the customers that I get, or whether that means that they themselves have already been teaching themselves for years, or they have had lessons for years, or maybe even they are teachers and they've been doing it for a long time. It implies that this program is not for beginners, right? Because I say, even if you've been at it for years, the program is not for beginners. I work with more advanced students, intermediate to advanced. Sure, I have some more beginner people come to me and they join the program and they still benefit from it, but the bulk of the program is made up of people that have already had years of experience. So you can see in that one sentence, I'll say it one more time, play beautifully by learning how to practice smarter, not harder, even if you've been at it for years. It's very clear what they will get when they choose to work with me, how I do it, like why I'm different, how I, how I go about getting them there and who it is for. Okay. And so when you are thinking about crafting a compelling or a captivating hook or headline, those are the questions that you can think about. Who is it that you are wanting to teach, right? If it's adults, if it's kids, you could blatantly say that, or you can think of another way to say it kind of like I did in mine. Why are you different? Or what about your studio is unique? What about your teaching methods are unique? And what do people get when they work with you? Now, if you struggle to answer these questions, I don't, and I don't expect you to have answers to them right away if this is something that you've never thought about, sit down and journal about it. And some other questions that you can ask yourself to kind of lead you there would be, who are your three favorite students that you've ever taught? What were the common things between them? How old were they? Why did they or their parents hire you? What did you do with them during lessons? How did you get them results, right? Like how did you get them from point A to point B? Maybe point A was that they didn't know anything or maybe point A was that they were a transfer student and they already had some experience, but how did you get them results during their lessons? If you spend some time over the next week journaling on this for a few minutes each day, you're going to have some ideas and some insights into who you want to serve, what makes you different or unique as a teacher, and what people get when they come to work with you. Now, if you already have ideas on those things, you already have answers to those, or you get to those answers quickly, and now you're really digging in to like craft this compelling hook, one of my favorite things to do that I've mentioned here on the podcast before is use chat GPT to help with writer's block. So sometimes like I will come up with a sentence and I'm like, you know, it's okay. Like I teach adult piano players how to play musically, period. But I'm like, it's not, it doesn't have like the oomph that I want. It doesn't have the bang. It's not super captivating or compelling. And so I'll go into chat GPT and I'll say, make this headline more compelling or give me 10 more versions of this headline that are more compelling. And instantly 
I don't, I, I don't really ever take what chat GPT spits out and um, use it like word for word, but it usually sparks my creativity or helps get me to something that I like. Um, another way that I will use it is to say like, uh, give me 10 synonyms for this word or 10 more compelling ways to say this. Um, so it can be a really helpful tool for writer's block or to get you to kind of spark that creativity within. I would not recommend using ChatGPT to point blank write things for you because um, it won't be in your voice. And usually people can tell if something is inauthentic or if it doesn't seem like it came from you. Uh, but do use it to help you kind of get to that point where you have creativity. All right, the second mistake that I see people making is having inconsistent call to actions or not using call to actions at all. And a call to action is simply a fancy marketing term for the next step that your customer can take to either inquire about lessons, like inquire and get more information, or to book lessons, right? Like to give you money in exchange for services. Call to actions are, I would say one of the most important things on your website, in your social media posts, they are so important. And a lot of people either have inconsistent call to actions or skip this step completely and don't include call to actions. And in that search that I was telling you about for my daughter's swim lessons, a couple of the sites that I went to, either one, one of them that I went to uh, didn't have a call to action. Like I was like, oh, this school looks great. They had a great headline. I was like, this kind of seems like the vibe I want, you know, the lessons, the, the structure of the lessons, their teaching philosophy, like everything seemed to be in alignment with what I was looking for for my daughter, but it was very unclear how to get in touch with them. And I'm not going to lie. I only spent like 30 seconds looking because even though they seemed like a great school, I was confused and I was in a rush and I ultimately needed to get this task done of finding swim lessons for my daughter. And I didn't have so much time to like try to decode this puzzle of how to get in touch with them. So I just moved on to the next school. And then another website that I went to had super inconsistent call to actions. And I don't remember, I could pull up that social media, that Instagram post that I did. I don't remember what the call to actions were, but it was basically like, and I, I have encountered this with business coaching clients as well. It was like one site was like, email me to get in touch. And then on another page, it was like, book a call. And then on another page, it was like, fill out this form. And it's just, it's very confusing for customers. And if it's not simple and clear, the next steps that people need to take, they're not going to take them. Right? So if you're using a website, you need to have a call to action on every single page of your website. And that call to action needs to be easy. It needs to be like an easy step that customers can take. And it needs to be clear and the same, right? It needs to be consistent. If not, your customers will be very confused about how to get in touch with you and they will likely give up and not get in touch with you. So some examples of some call to actions would be book a free meet and greet or book a free lesson if that's something you do or book a trial lesson. You know what I mean? Like something like book, book this and we're actually going to get on Zoom and meet. Another example would be, you know, request more information or fill out this form. The, the implication being like, you're going to fill out this form and I will get in touch with you right? And it should be really, really clear how that process works. Like they're going to submit this form and you will get back to them within 24 hours or within 48 hours or within whatever amount of time you choose, but it needs to be very clear. Another call to action could be email me to inquire about lessons or call me or text me. But the important thing here is that you don't have all of these call to actions. Pick one 
And when you're deciding on your call to action, ideally you're thinking about your customer journey. So, and, and sometimes this is easier to think about when you think about yourself as a customer, right? Like the example that I'm giving of, I'm searching for swim lessons for my daughter. I want it to be easy. I want to find I want to find information not only that resonates with me that looks like a school that I'm really excited to put my daughter in but also it's easy and it's clear to sign up for lessons right and so think about what you want that customer to journey to be not only from your customer standpoint of like what would be easy for you know if it's parents you're serving or if it's adults that are busy with jobs or maybe it's like retired people think about what the experience would be like for them for sure but also think about you as a business owner what is the most streamlined way and the most streamlined call to action right and i've done all of them believe me i have when like many many years ago it was just email me right and people would send me emails and every time an email came in i would be crafting an email to people now there was one point in my business when that was easy because I wasn't getting that many inquiries. So it didn't take me a lot of time to respond to those emails. And then once I started getting a lot of inquiries, it became, you know, book a free meet and greet. And I did that for a long time. And I was getting a fair number of meet and greets, but I had time in my calendar to do it. And so it made sense for me. Um, eventually I got a little bit tired of that because I realized that anyone could book a free meet and greet. And so I'd have to kind of like stay on these calls with people that ultimately wouldn't be a, a fit for the studio. Um, and so then eventually my call to action became like apply for lessons. Right. And I had a, a questionnaire that people would fill out and they would submit that questionnaire. I would read it. And if it seemed like they'd be a good fit for the studio, then I would get in touch with them. And that helped me filter out people that maybe weren't a good fit or, you know, students that I didn't want to be teaching. And so your call to action should be easy for your customer and simple and clear. And also for you as your, as a business owner, it should be streamlined, right? It needs to make sense with how much time you have and how much work you want to do to acquire customers. Similarly with casual, the confident piano player, when I first started out, my call to action was book a call people would get on zoom with me and we would talk for like 15 minutes. We would talk about what the program was, if it was a fit and all of that. Now that the program has expanded and I have more testimonials and I have more proof that the program, you know, works and people can see that, uh, the call to action is just join now, right? It's a checkout page. And so people can either join or not. So those are examples of call to actions for like a website or a flyer or something like that. And it needs to be clear and simple and consistent. Now, Another point on this, if you are doing social media as a part of your marketing regularly, your social media posts should always have a call to action. And that doesn't mean that you always need to be selling in your social media posts, right? Like I'm not saying that, that every post needs to be like, book a lesson now. Um, when it comes to social media, it's slightly different because you do have a little more flexibility to play around with the call to actions different posts can have different call to actions. And in fact, they should, if social media is what you're doing. So if you're posting, let's say you're posting three days a week, you might alternate call to actions where at least one post a week, at least one post a week, you need to have a call to action that says the same thing as your website or like whatever that customer journey is. So book a call, book a free lesson, you know, DM me for details about lessons. Like you should definitely have call to actions for people to work with you and for people to pay you to become your customer. But then you can also alternate other call to actions, like comment if this post resonates with you. I bet if you're, if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen me use that one a lot. It's one of my favorites because it's a way to engage with people. It's a way where I feel like 
I can show up on social media and I can genuinely connect with people. And I also know it helps me know like what kind of posts are helpful for you. I don't want to be just putting out content that nobody cares about. I genuinely want every piece of content to provide value for you and to either teach you something or inspire you or educate you in some way. And so having that call to action of like comment blank below, if it resonates, lets me know that it's working. And it also helps me connect with you as a person, right? And, and that's my favorite part about what I do is connecting with real life people. Um, your call to action could be something like, you know, look, follow the link in bio and maybe your link in bio is that they book a call or something like that. But you can alternate the call to actions on social media, but you need to be making call to actions in every single social media post. This is a huge mistake that people make. They'll just post random things that don't necessarily like increase the value of what's happening on social media. And then they don't have a call to action. One thing that I heard recently, and don't quote me on this statistic, but I think it was like 6% of your community or of your followers sees your social media post, right? So think about how many followers, your followers you have. If you have 500 followers and you're, even if you're posting every single day, only 6% of your followers, which, oh my gosh, now I have to do math. If you have 500 followers, five would be 10%. So let's cut that in half, like two people would be seeing your post and engaging with it in some way. And so if you don't have call to actions, not only are not that many people seeing your post, but also nobody knows what to do. Nobody knows why you're posting. Nobody knows how to work with you. Nobody knows what next steps to take. So call to actions are incredibly important. Okay. I will get off my soapbox about call to actions. <laughs> I have many more things that I could say, but that is plenty. And I promise you, if you go forth this week and even choose one of these suggestions and really dig deep and start, you know, like creating or updating your hook or your headline on your website or on your social media posts, if you start being consistent with your call to actions, you will see a huge influx of the number of people that are reaching out to work with you. And this is the perfect time, right? Because we're right at that like fall influx of parents and adults looking for piano lessons. So I hope that this was really helpful. If it was, go ahead. If you'd be willing to rate or review the podcast, that would be amazing. If you want to screenshot it and share it on your Instagram stories or send me a DM and let me know what resonated with you. I have to tell you, I just got a voice message this morning from someone saying that the episode that I did about uh, creating assets was mind blowing to them and it helped them open their minds to what's possible. And I'm not even kidding you. I got goosebumps while I was listening to that message and it lit my heart on fire to know that they were having such a big breakthrough um, from listening to that episode. So I would love to hear from you in whatever way feels comfortable to you. Message me, post it on your Instagram stories, rate the podcast, review it. Um, and that would really help me out. And also I would love to connect with you. So I hope you have an amazing week and I look forward to connecting with you again next week. Bye everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I love connecting with open-minded business owners from all over the world. As you know, a studio policy is one of the most important assets of your business and a good studio policy will save you time and energy. For this reason, I created a free PDF with a list of three ways that you can level up your studio policy right now. To grab the free PDF, head on over to ashleyjyoung.com slash level up and the link is in the show notes as well. Talk to you soon.